of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And kind of my hope, don't know if I've accomplished it, has been to take that out of kind of this funky, um, super spiritual, kind of weird area and say that something that all of us need if we want to live life. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we want to live. It's not just for weird people or super Christians or missionaries or anything like that. It's for all of us. And so two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that, you know, if the father, if this is rough, if the father's kind of the planner in the Trinity and Jesus is kind of the enabler, he's the one that made it happen by his life, death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit's really the executor. He executes the things that are on the father's mind, the things that are on the father's heart that he wants to do. They're done by and through the Holy Spirit. We said anything that happens in our life or in our world is accomplished by or through the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times kind of the picture we used was of water. And a lot of us live on a trickle when there's a lot more than that. That's not what God wants for us. And so sometimes the problem for us is we're just the faucet's not turned on enough. And we just need to turn the faucet on and the Holy Spirit will will transmit, communicate, deliver whatever word you want to use the blessings of God, the resources of heaven into our life. He's the one that does that. So if we're not filled with him, then kind of by definition, we're not filled with these things that we need to live. Last week, we looked at Emmanuel, that name that Jesus had, that means God with us. And we said, because Jesus has a body, he can't be with all of us at the same time in the same way. If he's at your house, he can't be at my house. And kind of the, the solution to that is God is with us by his Holy Spirit, who doesn't have a body, so he can be fully present to you, fully present to me, and in, you know, China, all at the same time. He's not limited by a body, and so God is with us by his Spirit. So for us, what that looks like is if we are not filled with the Spirit, well, then we're missing some of what it means for God to be with us, and we're kind of traveling solo, which some of us are okay with, but eventually that's going to get you into trouble. And we kind of closed last week by saying if God is with us, Jesus was an atmosphere changer, and so we should be also. We should be people who affect where we are. We should change the atmosphere. We talked about, you know, the thermostat. We, we can play with the thermostat if God is with us by his spirit, and if we're Christians, we are. So this is Matthew thirteen thirty three. I mentioned this parable last week. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. All right, let me show you all something. We have a little bit of a visual. Kim, will you help me with this? So this is uh, Nancy Hutchins pulled all of this together. She's working with your children. Um, this right here is four and a half cups of flour. So that, that's a lot. And in to this four and a half cups of flour and a few other things, she added one tablespoon of yeast. So will you hold up that bowl? And that bowl has had yeast in it since 10 o'clock. She got here about 10. It's 10.53, so 53 minutes. You can see what the yeast is doing. You open that other one and show them that. That's the same. This is the same mixture. Kind of tilt it, yeah. That's this. It won't fall out. That's the same mixture without any yeast. Can you hold them both up at the same time? Somebody will help you. <laughs> so you can see the difference that one tablespoon, this is a tablespoon, one tablespoon of yeast makes it, it's the exact same amount of stuff in the bowl Misty has in the bowl Kim has. It's been 53 minutes, and you can see how much bigger it already is. Thank you, guys. So that's the picture of this parable. 
The kingdom of God, when you hear that phrase, don't think geographic territory. It's the ruler reign of God. Everywhere that God's will is done, that's a manifestation, an expression of the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying is the rule and reign of God, it's like that little bit of yeast. And it works through a bunch of dough, and it produces results. You, you see it with your eyes. It is producing results. It's obvious that something is happening in that bowl that's not happening in that Tupperware, and it's all because of one tablespoon of yeast. The point you get, the kingdom of God influences the world. And eventually, it will influence the whole world. That last song we sang. Eventually, every nation will say, yes, Jesus, you are God. That's where we're heading. What I want to do is personalize that this morning and say, if you're a Christian, then you are an expression of the kingdom of God. Again, the, the, the rule or the reign of God. God rules and reigns through us. And so if you're a Christian, you're a, an expression of that. It's, if your mom taught you to yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And so when you go out and you meet your friend's parents and you do all that and you yes, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, that you're expressing the values of your parents. Kind of their rule in your life is being expressed in these situations every time you do that. That's kind of what I'm talking about with the kingdom of God. That's, we're an expression of that. God rules and reigns through us, and so we should have influence in our world. Not the big, vague world that your world, where you live tomorrow, where you live this afternoon. There should be influence there. You are, should be like the yeast because the Holy Spirit is in you. So this kingdom, this rule, this reign is functioning in your life, and so you should be like the bowl. There should be a difference. Everywhere you go, there should be a difference. And again, we said last week, it doesn't mean that in your staff meeting tomorrow you stand on the table and say you've got an announcement to make. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying over time, that's part of this thing is over time, the yeast will work through the whole batch of dough. And so if you look back and say situations where I've been over time, Six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Is there, is anything happening there? Am I still like the Tupperware or am I more like the bowl? Is there any difference in the situation because I'm there? Am I being yeasty, for lack of a better word? That wasn't a good word. Multiple ways of influencing a situation. Several different ways you can, really anything you do that's kind or loving or selfless, that's going to influence the situation because nobody expects that. If you do something that's genuinely nice, people are going to say, what's the catch? You know that. You do the same thing when somebody does something nice for you. You're looking for the string. We, that's not where we live. So anything you do that is genuinely kind, loving, and selfless, that will change the situation. That's, I, I don't know what other word, I'm just going to say yeasty and y'all have to stop giggling. I don't know what else to say. That's how you'll do that. That's one way of doing that. Another way is welcoming people. There's a story in Luke 7. Jesus is at the house of a Pharisee named Simon, and a woman comes in. The Bible calls her a sinner. She was most likely a prostitute. She comes in. This is a dinner party. There are other people there. She starts incredibly awkward, crying and washing his feet with her hair and her tears. That would make anybody uncomfortable. Simon, the Pharisee, is saying, well, he's starting to judge Jesus. Well, you must not be a prophet. You must not be what everybody said you were because you wouldn't let this woman touch you if you knew. Jesus tells a story, and the point of the story, the point of the parable is she's been forgiven much, so she loves much. 
the point underneath that for us is it changed the atmosphere of the whole room. That, that story closes with, and the people were questioning, who is this guy who forgives sins? They were amazed at what Jesus had done. He welcomed this woman, this sinner, into his world. You can imagine what would have happened if he didn't. Think about the conversation around the dinner table if he had not done that. Can you believe she came in here? Did you see what she was wearing? Well, I heard she did this last. That's what it would have been like. But Jesus welcomes her in. The whole atmosphere changes. Everything changes. Nobody says anything about her anymore. Welcoming. This looks different in different situations, but it's what your mom told you to do on the playground. That's, that's it. You welcome people in. If you'll do that, you'll change the atmosphere. The bigger one for me is serving. Jesus said the greatest are those who serve. There's a story in John 13. It's Jesus having the last meal with his disciples. And during the meal, uh, according to Luke 22, there's a discussion. And the guys start arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus gets up, wraps a towel around his waist, and starts washing feet. Probably ended the discussion pretty fast about who was the greatest. That act of service changed the whole atmosphere. If you're someone, if you're in a position where people normally serve you, if you will intentionally serve them, it will do more to change the dynamics of those relationships than anything else you say or do. Particularly if you do it in a way that doesn't draw attention to yourself. If you will serve in a, in a capacity that's not public, it's not on the stage where everybody can tell you what a great guy or girl you are. But if you will behind the scenes serve, particularly in, when you're not expected to. If, you're, if it's your job to sweep the floor, then... That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it's somebody else's job and you do it for them. And you do it in a way that doesn't draw attention to yourself. It will do more to change the dynamics of the place where you are than anything else. I would, my, this is a side note, the challenge I would have any of you who work in a context where people report to you. You're, you're the boss of one or two or three or ten or twenty people. This week, begin to look for opportunities to serve them in a way that doesn't say, hey, look at what a great guy I am. And see what happens. I can almost guarantee it will do more to change the dynamics of your office, of your team, of your group, whatever it is, than anything else you can say. I would say even more than saying we're going to have a Bible study every Monday. If they see their boss genuinely serving them, it will, it will change things. That's what Jesus said, and that's what he did. So those things, but for a lot of us, those aren't that hard. For most of us, the doing stuff, isn't really that difficult. We can do stuff a lot. We get that. You get gestures that are kind and loving and serving and, well, okay, whatever. I think the one for us, I mentioned this last week. I want to spend a little more time on it this morning. The one for us that can be tricky is talking, actually speaking. I think that, to me, is what pushes it over the edge. There's a story in John 8. To me, it's the best example of this. Jesus is hanging around, and there's a woman who's some religious leaders catch an adultery and they bring her to Jesus and said, do we stone her or do we not? They're trying to catch him in a trap because it was the Jews couldn't execute the death penalty. So if he said, yes, stone her, then they can go to the Rome and say he's rebelling. If they say don't stone her where well, the law said that she should be killed because she was caught in adultery. So they're trying to catch Jesus in a trap. And you know what he says back. He says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. Changes everything. Absolutely everything. Guys get up and start leaving. One sentence, ten words, changes the entire atmosphere. It goes from humiliating this woman and talking about whether she should live or die to Jesus saying, 
Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. She goes from, you know, death row to redeemed in ten words or less. All because he said the right thing at the right time. If you go back and look at those other things in Luke 7 and John 13 that I talked about, both of those things are followed up with an explanation. Jesus always explained what he did. I could be serving you because I have community service hours from the judge. Or I could be serving you because I'm modeling Jesus. It's two different. You'll never know unless I tell you. I could be welcoming you in because I believe all people have worth and dignity. Or I could be welcoming you in because your dad can help me get a job. Two different things. And I would say the only way you're going to know is if I say something. Saying something provides the context, the meaning behind whatever it is you're doing. It provides the context behind your actions. And that's where a lot of us get uncomfortable. Does anybody want to check on the... <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, it provides the context or the meaning behind what you're doing. We can do stuff all day long, and it's good, and it's right, and it needs to be done, and we need alignment but behind what we say and what we do. But eventually, we have to, you have to, we have to talk, or nobody knows why. It doesn't, why are you doing this? If they don't know, then they'll just describe whatever motivation they want. That's not being yeasty, at least not to the full extent that you can be. It's better, better to be welcoming than to be exclusive, better to serve than to lord it over people, absolutely. But it's better still to tell someone why you're doing whatever it is you're doing. It points towards Jesus, and that does more to change the situation than anything else. Let me read you a few verses. I found 10 verses in the New Testament that contain the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read you nine of them. See if you can pick out the theme. Uh, I think they'll be on the screen also. Luke 1, 41 through 42. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Luke 1, 67 and 68. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. Acts 2, 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts 4.8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 9.17 and 20, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once he began to preach in the synagogues, excuse me, that Jesus is the Son of God. Acts 13, 9 through 10. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Acts 13, 49 through 52. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women, blah, 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 and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I skipped to the bottom. The rest of that wasn't that important. Acts, Ephesians 5, not for us at least, 18, 18 through 19. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What's the theme? Speaking. Every single time you saw someone where you read that phrase, hear that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
what follows is somebody says something. There's only one time where that's not the case. It's in Luke 115 where the angel Gabriel appears to Elizabeth, who's John the Baptist's mom, and says, your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. But if you go back and you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the thing about John, he's described as the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Every time, ten times that I found in the New Testament, you see that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time, there's something verbal that follows. A lot of us struggle with talking. Some of us talk too much, absolutely. There are a few of us that need to keep our mouth shut. Most of us need to open them more. We, we don't talk, we, we, we're not comfortable enough talking about why we're doing what we're doing. We'll bake cookies all day long. Just don't ask us why. We'll serve, we'll love, we'll welcome, we'll include, we'll do all of that stuff all day long. Just don't ask us why. Uh... Being filled with the Holy Spirit results in spirit-inspired speech. He will tell you what you will have words to say. That's a problem for a lot of us. Again, going back to a couple of weeks ago, it's just a trickle of water coming in. And so when there's actually an opportunity to say anything, we don't have our throats dry, literally. We need to open up the faucet. So we can actually, this is the hardest thing for me too. It's my job to say something. Much more difficult when I don't have a microphone standing in a church. I get it. It's hard. I'm not, I'm not concerned about most of you being pushy, overly aggressive, jerks. That's not the issue for most of us. The issue for most of us is too shy, too meek, too mild, never say anything. And so our yeast, it's... It's not there. We're doing good stuff, but nobody knows why we're doing good stuff. So ultimately, God doesn't get any of the glory. Maybe we do, which is not what we want, but he definitely doesn't because we never tell anybody why. And again, you don't have to preach, and you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord, and you don't have to use O's or these or thou's or thine's. You don't have to quote the, you don't have to do any of that. You just need to be able to say the right thing at the right time. Everything Jesus said was effective. And the reason it was is he always said the right thing at the right time. And the reason was because he was always full of the Holy Spirit. So he always had the words to say. There's a point Jesus is sending his disciples out. And he says, not everybody's going to love what you're doing. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be put on trial. You're going to have to defend yourself. And when you do, don't worry. You don't need to sweat what you're going to say in those situations because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. The same thing is true for us. Now, he's talking about when you're under pressure, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. But based on those nine verses that we read, I think it covers most every other situation. When you're under pressure, when you need to share your faith or testify what God has done, that's Acts 2 and 431. When you need to confront someone, how many of us totally freeze up when it comes time to confront so we're not doing the Paul looking the guy in the eye and son of sick. Like, we don't do that. Maybe we send them an email and put a little smiley face at the end so they know we're just kidding. But maybe they'll get it. Now, again, I'm not worried about us going around shooting each other in the back. That's not what I feel like our problem is. It's that we don't say anything. We never bring it up. We never say, we never confront in a loving way and say, hey, what about this? 
or what about that? That's hard to do. I get it. That's, again, that's part of my job, and it's hard for me to do. For a lot, of, It's not part of your job. You're bringing it up. For some of you from left field, it's very difficult. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the words to say. He will. He did for Paul. He did for Peter. He'll do the same thing for you. And when I say that, don't. this is not God moving your mouth and your tongue and your vote. That's not what I'm talking. It's not automatic speech. It's You've all experienced this where you haven't known what to say and a phrase or a word or something has popped into your head and you've said it and it worked. That's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, he'll, you'll, you'll have this communication line where you can get that stuff. You'll have the word, you'll have the sentence, you'll have the phrase, you'll have the story, you'll have the opening, whatever it takes to bring those things up. Again, he won't talk for you. He always works through us. We have to cooperate. But he'll give you a thought, an impression, something to say. When you need to encourage someone, this to me is huge. At some point, encouragement to me has to go beyond attaboy, pat on the back. Like that's nice, but it's not that meaningful. And to really encourage someone, to me, that's rooted in God because he's the only one that really knows. He's the only one that really knows what's going on. He's the only one who really knows what's ahead. And if you can kind of tap in to that, you can be a huge encourager. I think it's in Judges 6. There's a guy named Gideon. And you can go back and read the story. I think it's Judges 6, 7, and 8 somewhere. I think it's all three of those chapters maybe. Gideon um, is threshing floor, uh, threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. He's, he's hiding. He's being a coward. And an angel shows up and says, mighty warrior to a guy who's hiding. That's the type of encouragement I'm talking about. That angel knew what Gideon, who Gideon would be. And so he addressed him that way. Based on what he knew, what this angel knew, Gideon had in him. And the reason the angel knew that is because he was connected to the Lord. If you looked at Gideon from the outside, he's not a mighty warrior. He's a mighty sissy. But the angel knew. And so that's what he was able to speak to Gideon. And it encouraged him. It still took Gideon a couple of days, but he got there. And the same thing can be true for us. Those of you who are parents, there's nothing better you can do for your kids than to speak life into them. And the way to do that is to go beyond what you think of them as a mom or a dad and find out what God thinks about them and what God wants for them. And you begin to say those things to them and your kids will light up. Those of you, this works for, it works for everybody, parents, best friends, strangers, spouses, if, you can, if we can be filled with the Spirit to the point that we can connect on this encouragement thing, it'll change every relationship you have. It, you won't be struggling trying to encourage someone when they're down. You'll have something you can bring to them that actually is true. It's not just your opinion. It's what God says. It carries a lot more weight. All of that, it's not magic. It's uh, the result of being filled with the Spirit. To me, you've got three choices. If you want to say these timely words that change the atmosphere, Doing stuff, absolutely we have to do stuff. At some point, we've got to say what we're doing. We've got to explain it, give it context, give it meaning. You're with me. So we've got to have these timely words, saying the right thing at the right time. You've got three choices. You can guess, which is what some people do. I'm just going to talk so much. At some point, the sheer volume of my words, chance says I'm going to hit the nail on the head. Hopefully, you can fish through everything else I said to pull out the nugget. You do that sometimes. You know the people who you're going to have to mine through vast amounts of information to find 
one or two things that actually work for you. And so that's what we do. It's, we, we just guess. I'm just going to keep talking and figure something at some point is going to hit because, you know, somebody wins the lottery every day. So that's what we do. The second is we rely on ourselves. Well, ba- lots of Dr. Phil's out there. Well, based on my experience and my understanding, and, and we analyze one another and diagnose, and in my opinion, and, you know, we do that. Come sit on my couch and let me. And that, that's okay as far as it goes. But all you're doing at that point, the most you can do is, re- as, is rely on your own brilliance and your own expertise. You might be really brilliant. You might be a great expert. But at some point, you're going to bump into something you don't know. So you can either guess, you can rely on your own, or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, I think it's 11, says only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. And that's what we need. We need to know what to say, when to say it, and he's the only one that can help. Because he knows what to say and he knows when to say it. So if we're not connected, the best you can hope for is that you stumble into something. And sometimes you will and sometimes you're going to put your foot in your mouth. If we live this life of being filled with the Spirit, and again, that's not not mysterious, it's not funky, it's not weird. It's a reality that we all need. If we'll live that way, then you'll be connected to the guy that knows the thoughts of God. So when it comes time to encourage somebody, you'll be connected to the guy who knows what to say. And when it comes time to confront somebody, you'll be connected with the guy who knows what to say. When you don't know what to say because you're under pressure, you'll be connected to the guy who does. When you have an opportunity to say something about the Lord and you start stammering and stuttering, oh, yeah, is there someone? You'll be connected to the guy who knows what to say. The key to the right thing at the right time is being connected to the right person. And it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does that for us. Good? Let's pray.